Leafs uh, are in Minnesota. They continued their road trip. They were just coming off a gutsy performance against the New Jersey Devils. So we'll see what they can do as an encore against the Wild tonight. And to join us to kind of tee up that game and talk about it a little bit is Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider. CJ, what's up, pal? Not too much, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Like I was saying yesterday, it was just an outstanding couching day from a sports perspective. You could have woke up at 5 a.m. and watched sports from 5 until basically midnight once that uh, once the, the Thursday night football game was over. Did you have a chance to indulge yourself in some good sports yesterday? Yeah, I had to work during the day, so I didn't I didn't go full in on the early football, but uh, certainly caught the, the Cowboys game as a loyal fan of the team and and you know flipped around i've been keeping an eye on the world cup too so this is a this is a pretty good time and then of course today we got a bunch of nhl games this afternoon so can't really complain uh, at all right now absolutely and you know but before we get into today's game cj you know you've been covering the boreas salming and and his battle with als pretty closely over the last few months and you know i was in shock when we got the news of his passing yesterday just because it was less than two weeks after he was right here in toronto we saw him with our very eyes but you know thinking back on it cj how special was it that night the fact that i guess it was really a two-night affair that least nation really had a chance now looking back on it to give him that kind of king send-off that that he truly deserved? Yeah, I mean, incredibly special. I I can't think of too many things quite like it, to be honest. And and let's be honest, that that whole thing is almost just about how you you might see it scripted in a movie or a show or something, that that would happen. But, you know, as we know, life doesn't always afford us the opportunities to have that. And so, you know, this has obviously been a really difficult few months for the Salming family. Um, Can't even really sympathize or imagine... Um, you know, what it would be like that, you know, Borea, for, for all he knew, was healthy six months ago, and unfortunately today he's, he's dead. Um, but, you know, to, to get a chance to come to Toronto with his four kids, with his wife Pia, to, to have a chance for him, I think, that to show his love once more for Leaf Nation, the way they showed it back to him, um, you know, under the circumstances, I think it's, it's tremendous he got to do that. He also attended uh, a, a big uh, hockey gala in Stockholm last week as well, and so, you know, it Again, when when you when you get the kind of news he's got, I mean, it's 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 a tough thing. But at least, you know, he, he did get a chance to make the most of his last days. Do you think that the city should should honor him in, in some way? Whether you know, name a a, a local hockey rink after after Boris Salming, or potentially a street named after him. How do you think the city, or should they try and honor him in some way, based on you know what he meant for for this hockey club? You know, I hadn't thought of that, but I, I think there's certainly a case to be made for it. Um, you know, because, you know, one thing that's interesting is he, he moved here to play for the Leafs in 1973. Well, he spent 16 seasons with the team and, and was a frequent visitor ever since. You know, I think he really did consider Toronto a second home. You know, this, this wasn't just a quick stop in, in a long career for, for Borea. And so, you know, I, I think that that would be appropriate. Um, you know, any, any of those sort of recognitions and, you know, it's nice that the Leafs have them on their, their Legends Row uh, statue in, in, in Maple Leaf Square. I saw there were some flowers and, and notes and things um, left yeah. there by some fans. But, um, you know, I, I do think something like that would, would, would be appropriate. And, and you know, he, he left a pretty big mark on the city, but it's clear that the city loved him back, too. 
Oh, absolutely. And it was, you know, some tough news to get last night and, uh, you know, condolences to, to his family and friends and uh, former teammates who, who, you know, took the news pretty, pretty hard. Uh, in conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider, leaves in Minnesota today, puck drop, well, within an hour from now, an afternoon game, 2 p.m. start. And, you know, at least coming off a, a, a gutsy win, a character win, I believe, is what Sheldon Keefe called it um, after their, their blue line has been completely depleted. You think they could do it again, though? CJ, like, how do you see this game unfolding here in many this afternoon? Well, certainly they can do it again. You know, it's it's been a, a strange month because, you know, obviously they, they've been without Jake Muzzin most of the season. They've lost Morgan Riley here. TJ Brody's been out, and yet I think it's only one regulation lost all month. So they've been finding a way to kind of piece it together. I think the team game has been been pretty strong. Um, you know, for for the Leafs and. That's that's the funny thing. Sometimes you assume everything's going to go the wrong way when you when you go through a stretch of injuries like this. And with the you know being all at one position, I mean even the fact that they've they've had to play Eric Shalgren, their their third string goaltender as much as they have because of injuries to Samsonov and and Matt Murray, you know they, they've still found their way through. And so, you know Minnesota is a team that that's had some ups and downs this year. Um, you know I think certainly they've taken a step back, uh, a small step back anyway from where they were last season. And so. Yeah, you don't know what to expect with a, a rare afternoon game. The Leafs don't play a lot of those. Their players wouldn't be used to it quite as much. But uh, I don't see any reason why they can't uh, step up and, and get another win here this afternoon. Well, it's interesting, CJ, because last time when we had John Leafs lunch, we spoke about, and it was coming off of a, a Devils game, actually, funny enough, again. But we had spoke about how the team somewhat lacked an identity. And, and you know, what I saw the Leafs doing in the Devils game last night I thought that was a pretty good recipe for success. You know, play somewhat of a, a scrappy, underdog, up-tempo, pressure-packed, simple, grinded-out hockey game. I mean, when this team is healthy and when they've got all their guns ablazing, I mean, shouldn't that still somewhat be the mentality? Because that seems to work for this team. Well, yeah, I mean, I think when, especially, look, they don't have to be in full playoff mode yet. We're still a long way from that point in time. But, it, the, you know, the question about the Leafs on some level is, you know, they, they played a 2-1 game in Game 7 against Tampa. Can, can they be on the right side of those kind of games uh, when it really matters? And, and, you know, again, we're not going to know for some time, but I, I do think that if they can develop an identity to get through and, and gut out some wins, I mean, that's that's typically what happens, you know, when, when things get tighter and, and, and more competitive later on in the year. And so, you know, I do know that the Leafs front office views this, this period. I mean, no one wishes for injuries, but I, I think that they're welcoming – the circumstances because, you know, it, it's going to test the, the depth of the team. It's going to, I think, force, you know, everyone that, that, that is, is, you know, wearing the sweater to, to kind of buckle down here um, because it's, it's pretty clear that they're, they're quite undermanned uh, defensively. And, and, you know, maybe this can, can create some good habits, can get them into a style game that can give them success later on when, you know, let's face it in the playoffs, there's just not a lot of space. There's not a lot of scoring opportunities, usually not a lot of power plays. And so, you got to win those tight games somehow. One of the guys who I think have, have, have started to, to really pick it up of late is is Cali Yarncroft, and uh, he's getting a crack up in the top six today alongside Mitch Marner and John Tavares. What what can he bring to that line? How can he find success there? You think? Well, you know, I, I'm not not entirely clear to me if if he will be able to. I mean, that, what's what's good about Yarncroft is I think he is a bit more of a grinding type player, but he but he does have some offensive ability and and. Um, you know, I don't expect him to be a long-term, um, you know, placeholder on 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 that second line. But I, you know, I think in in a pinch, he can fill in there. He can he can fill a spot. And and 
you know, truthfully, I, I, they're still looking for something, aren't they? I mean, I feel yeah. like every Friday we have these visits and, and there's been more jumbling of the lines. I mean, it's, it's been pretty constant. And, and, you know, we're talking about the forward lines where it's, it's not, you know, injury situations that are, that are necessitating it. It's, you know, Sheldon Keith looking for something, um, you know, with, with his lineup. And, and you know, I think that the Leafs, all things being equal, you know, would like to have Alex Kerfoot lower in the lineup. He's, he's played a lot in the second line this year, has not been productive, you know, has not been producing much offense. And so, you know, someone else gets a chance to fill in for now. But, you know, I, I just have to believe that the longer this goes on, we're going to be talking about perhaps, uh, you know, another move, uh, you know, maybe from, from someone externally to come in and, and fill that spot. Uh, on the second line because it just doesn't seem like they have the quite the the right internal options at the moment, especially with with Nick Robertson not having you know, sort of leapt forward and grab grab that kind of role yet. Might not be you know quite ready for that spot. Well, it's interesting that, that you bring it up because we have seen a lot of lineup juggling and some changes. Obviously, Matthews and Marner have been have been split up. We've seen a bunch of guys rotate in on that second line. We've seen a lot of rotations between the third and fourth line. I mean, we're at the quarterway mark of the season, CJ. Do you find that a, like a little concerning at all that there still doesn't seem to be you know a, a formula that Sheldon Keefe has found that he likes, or, or do you not? Is it not a big deal? I suppose that he's still kind of trying to filter through things and find something here. I'd, I'd be more concerned if they were losing. You know, I think the fact that a lot of these changes are coming at a time when the Leafs have been compiling points, you know, it, it makes it a little less concerning. You know, but but at a certain point, of course, later in the year, I think ideally you'd like that to stabilize a little bit and have have an idea. But you know, the Leafs actually have compiled some some decent depth. You yeah. know, even even on the blue line, I mean. Jordy Ben unfortunately has gone down with an injury, but he, you know, he'd filled in quite nicely for a couple games there once he got the lineup. And, and, you know, they, they have a number of options up front, um, you know, which is part of what's, what's, you know, we've, we've seen this sort of merry-go-round of players so far. But, um, you know, I think when you're in the position the Leafs are, they, they've been a, they've been a good to great team for a couple seasons now. They're looking for something more. And, and I, I think that that search is still ongoing with the lineup at at this point in time. And, and let's remember that they've, especially with the bottom six players, they, they've, you know, there's, there's a lot of new faces that have sort of come into the mix here. And I think that they're still learning the best way to, to, to fit the puzzle pieces together. You know, I, I don't see that in and of itself a problem when you're, when you're winning games because you're, you know, you're just pushing to be a better version of yourself, but you're still not chasing in the standings. I, I would, it would feel more panicky. I think if, if the losses were piling up here and they were they were searching for for answers and then you know really under the gun that way yeah that that that's probably a fair point i mean if this team was you know in, in a skid like they were back a month or so ago i'm sure there would be much more panic um when it comes to what's going on with the lineup but in conversation with chris johnson or tsn hockey insider uh, I, I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. I was a little surprised. So the Leafs made a trade bringing in Connor Timmins the other night, and, and he's a guy who's been in the minors right now, but he's he's been on a conditioning stint, and he's with the team in Minnesota, got in a full practice yesterday, but not playing today. Does that surprise you at all a little bit? Do you expect for him maybe to play tomorrow at least, considering the, the pile-up of injuries on the blue line? Well, I think the key is they're looking for the, the best place for him to succeed, right? I mean, Connor Timmins has had you know, a rough couple of years, all things considered, you know, dealt with a number of different injury situations was, was a pretty highly touted prospect and, you know, hasn't had a long run of games in the NHL. And, you know, in, in this specific case, I believe it had been three days since he'd, he'd skated uh, before joining the team of practice yesterday. So, you know, I think that they're going to want to ease him in as much as they can, but, you know, given the number of injuries, you know, if it's, if it's not 
tomorrow's game, I, I would expect we're, we're seeing them early next week because, um, you know, this, this is sort of an ideal set of circumstances if you're in Connor Timmons' skates because, let's face it, if this was a healthy blue line, I, I don't think that, that he'd be, you know, at this point in time anywhere near the top six. But, you know, I, I think he'll he'll get to play games in short order and, and there'll be minutes there, especially if he can perform. And so, you know, I think when you're a player that hasn't quite established yourself you're always looking for that opportunity. It can be tough to come by. I mean, it was even difficult for him in Arizona. He only played two games with the Coyotes a season. Mm-hmm. You know, had gone on a conditioning stint with their AHL team prior to this trade, but you know, he hasn't. He just hasn't played a lot. And so, um, with with all the injuries on, on the Leafs blue line, you know, they suffered another one after that deal goes down uh, with Jordy Ben getting injured in, in New Jersey. And so, um, you know, there's going to be minutes there. He's a right hand shot, which there's not an abundance of in the organization, you know, even, even among the prospects, you know, and, and obviously Timothy Lilligren's the only, I guess him and Justin Hall are the regulars that, that, that shoot that way. I think that there'll, there'll be minutes for him, but they just don't want to give him too much too soon. Speaking of the Jordy Ben injury, do you have any more on that? I thought I heard earlier today, Darren Dreger was on the morning show with, uh, with Carlo and Koliakov or Carlo and, and AK. Apparently is he got a broken toe and an oblique injury? Yeah, it sounds like there, there's both, and you know I don't have a timeline on it. I mean, it's strange. There's been a, a, a string of oblique injuries that, that yeah. the league players have have dealt with, right? It was John Tavares, you know, had it in training camp. Um, you know, T.J. Brody's been been down with an oblique injury here, and, and now um, Jordy Ben's got that. And, and you know what I know about that injury, just in general, not specific to Ben's case, is that it can be a range of time for for players to come back. I mean, a lot of it's about comfort on the ice and being able to skate and, and, and move around and, and, you know, those types of things. And, and I think that's why when they say TJ Brody's injury hasn't, you know, gone as quick as they thought is, it's just, he's not yet feeling comfortable when he's, when he's been out there skating. So, um, you know, given the fact that it's two injuries, you know, it's probably going to be a, a period of time here for Ben, um, you know, I don't think it's long, long term, but give, you know, this is, this is four defensemen now on this team that are, that are, out of action. So, I mean, you, you take that out of any team's lineup, you're, you're getting pretty low down the depth chart with what's left behind. You know what I, I'm, I'm thinking of right now? And, and, and you know, not to be, uh, I don't know if, how to exactly to say this, not to be insensitive, but Matt Murray's injury saved this team so much. Because remember there was talk of, you know, the team, that they might have to trade away a player and it's okay. Are they going to move on from Justin Hall? They have to move one of these defensemen to create that cap space. And, and, you know, injuries occurred, and all of a sudden now Justin Hall's like a top-line player because they have all that cap space due to that injury. Like, it's it's wild how a team went from they have so many bodies on the blue line, one is expendable, to now it's like, holy crap, they have, what, three defensemen who are considered, like, regulars currently in their blue line? It's it's insane. Well, and this is why GMs don't sleep well at night, I think, because, <laughs> you know, you, you always have to be planning for these sort of potential doomsday scenarios. I think it's why you want to protect your depth. I mean, we probably didn't spend much time in July and August and September even talking about the fact they signed Jordy Ben or Victor Mete. Yeah. But, you know, the Leafs needed a seventh and eighth and ninth guy, um, you know, for this exact scenario. I mean, Toronto's already used 11 defensemen, different defensemen this season. We're only quarter way through the season. I mean, Connor Timmons will be the 12th difference defenseman. That's, that's, uh, you know, suited up for them this season once he, he gets in his first game with the team. So um, you, you really can't have too many players. The cap makes it difficult to keep them all, and obviously waiver situations and those things factor into it. And, and you're right. I mean, we, we started this year thinking 
the Leafs were, were going to have to basically carry a 20-man roster uh, because of cap concerns. Uh, they've, they've been in LTIR ever since, and, and you know, quite frankly, Jake Muzzin's situation, you know, when the very real possibility he's not going to be able to return this year, they'll probably just spend the whole year in LTIR and might never have a true cap crunch. It's not to say that they have in, infinite money to spend, but right. they, they, they have more flexibility now than they would have, and they're actually able to carry a full roster with extra players in that. Uh, because of all those players on the long-term injured list. You mentioned doomsday scenario. I wouldn't quite put this anywhere near doomsday scenarios here, but we're at the quarter mark of the season, and Austin Matthews still sitting at just three goals at five-on-five, two of which have come via deflections. We've yet to see kind of a patented Austin Matthews-esque goal. Would you say that's a big deal, little deal, or no deal to this point in the year? I'd say little deal. Um, I I don't worry big picture because – You've just seen him over six previous seasons score at a ridiculous rate, and and this is him struggling. And I use air quotes. I mean, <laughs> most most players would love to have nine goals at three twenty one games. You know, like this, this is this is him being off his game. And so I, I don't think it's like sounding the alarms just yet. But you know, it, it hasn't quite looked right. I think there's been maybe a little bit of bad shooting luck. But look, he, you know, he, he never found his groove with with Mitch Marner and Michael Bunting the way that that line just had so much success last season. I mean, Sheldon Keefe said on the first day of camp, I mean, well, I don't know what the lines are going to look like in camp, but we know that one line will be intact, right? And, well, of course, you know, here we are, and, and this is what happens. But for whatever reason, and I'm not putting it all on Matthew's shoulders alone, I think that, that something hasn't quite been right there. And, you know, maybe he's dealt with some small injury situations as well. You know, we saw him leave the one practice early last week where he took a shot off the foot, and you know, I, I'm sure just the, the wear and tear of the season could factor in. I mean, who knows what it is, but it, you know if this goes on for another twenty stretch of twenty games and he's still scoring way below his his typical rate, then I think we start to elevate it towards bigger deal. But I, I also think he's earned, based on a huge track record of supreme success, you know a little bit of benefit of the doubt here that that you know either this is just you know a bad run of shooting luck or what have you. Because I do know looking at some of the underlying numbers, they do suggest that he's due for a pretty big breakout without necessarily having to change too much. I, know. I feel like we've been saying this for like three weeks now, though. Oh, the breakout's coming this weekend. It's coming this weekend. Still haven't seen it yet, though. <laughs> it's start- yeah, that's fair. And look, it's, it's, it's fair game for us to talk about it, too. Right. I mean, and, and that's why I'm saying it's not no deal. Like, I, it's definitely yeah. not no deal. But I, I just I don't know that it's a five-alarm fire, let's smash the red, red button. Because right. I actually look back through the Leafs' first 20 games last season, he scored the same amount of goals, and, and we know what he went on to do. So, you know, he, he did get hot kind of from this point on last year. Maybe maybe, maybe history will repeat itself. Uh, in conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider, I got a really quick, because, you know, American Thanksgiving, that's the, the barometer that we're allowed to ask people whether or not, you know, w- the season starts to get put together in a way. You start to learn more about these guys. So I'm going to rapid fire you a couple of contender or pretender at this point in the year. You ready for it, CJ? Yeah, I love it. All right. The Seattle Kraken, currently second in the Pacific, 8-1-1 in their last 10. Are the Seattle Kraken contenders or pretenders, CJ? I'm going to label them pretenders, uh, and I do it with, with care because I, I – Really respect that they, that team really was a non-factor last year. They've clearly taken a, a big step this season, but I think to call them, you know, a, a playoff team. I mean, look, and it's, I guess it's there for them in that division. The Pacific's kind of a strange division, but you know, I think when we give them another forty or fifty games, it's just going to be tough to keep playing at this level. The New York Islanders. 
The underlying oh, numbers have been so bad for the Islanders, but Ilya Sorokin keeps winning them games. I don't know what to think about this team. He does. I'm still going to call them a pretender. I mean, you saw there was a game this week against Edmonton. They had almost 50 shots in the game. I know the Islanders won that game, so it maybe proves the point. But I think I think they're relying too much on that goaltender, and I, I just don't think that's a sustainable way to have the kind of success that they want to have. I, you know, I think that they've they've taken a step back from those back-to-back conference final teams from a couple of years ago. Here's a different spin on this one, CJ. Jason Robertson, contender or pretender for the Hart Trophy? Contender. Yes. I mean, he's done nothing but but put up points since he entered the league. I mean, this is an unreal story. Um, you know, second-round draft pick who's scored over a point per game over whatever, 150 games now to start his career, you know, right up at the top of the scoring list with Connor McDavid. This guy's arrived. He's getting the, the attention and the flowers, and I think he is a contender for the Hart Trophy because he's he's absolutely essential to the Stars' success. Currently sixth on FanDuel, plus 1,300 odds. I think those are pretty good odds, and uh, I might have to go and place a wager myself, to be quite little honest with you. There, a little sprinkle. little sprinkle on Jason Robertson, because you're right. What he's doing right now is, is absolutely amazing, and he's really been doing it over the course of the last couple of years. You look at his like points per 60 rate, and it, it seems like this is pretty sustainable stuff for uh, for Jason Robertson. If, if, if you're not following along what's going on with this season. It's pretty spectacular. Uh, CJ, always appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy your weekend, pal. Will do. And how about this for trivia? The Stars drafted Jake Ottinger, Jason Robertson, and Miro Haskinen at the same draft. So they, wow. they hit three, three pretty big moonshots in, in one weekend to really turn the, their franchise around. Legitimately. And you've got you know the old guys having a bit of a resurgence. They're doing some good stuff out there in Dallas. Good stuff out there. Good stuff uh, from you as well, CJ. Take care, pal.